Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is Aaron Portsline. You're listening to the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Thanks for being with us today. It is a gray and seasonably warm day here in Central Ohio. I'm half, halfway to Cleveland uh, at the 71 and 13 exit. Uh, going up to Cleveland tonight to check out David Yurichek. Um, well, and the rest of the Monsters for that matter, but specifically Yurichek. Uh, excited to see him play at this level. He is having, um, eh, I don't know if historic is, is too big a word. He's having a great uh, AHL season when you consider he's a teenager, a rare, the rare teenage defenseman in the, in the AHL. He's a point-of-game player. He's a big minutes player. Uh, for the monsters, so that'll be interesting. The Blue Jackets lose two to one last night in Nashville. They lost three to one a night earlier in Columbus. Different games, though. Uh, I think the Blue Jackets are not pleased with the result, uh, as, it, as the, the players certainly aren't. But they have to be pleased with the way that they played. Forty shots on goal. Uh, Gus Nyquist, the only goal. Blue Jackets, they did not start late as they did the night previous against the Rangers. They were pretty well engaged. They just cannot finish right now. Um, and that's been a, a real struggle. Goudreau's got two goals in his last 16. Sillinger's gone 23 games without a goal. Had a great chance last night to tie it. Couldn't bury it. Um, it goes all through the lineup. I think Nyquist had gone nine games without a goal. Line had a hat trick against Detroit recently, but otherwise hasn't scored in 12 games. Um, so it's kind of all over the all over the lineup right now, this, this chilly frost of an offensive slump. Uh, they've got two big games in, I referred to it earlier today as the Bedardo meter. Uh, the Blue Jackets settling into to last place in the NHL standings last night with, the, with their loss coupled with the Blackhawks win, come from behind win, I might add. Blackhawks had a bit of a heater here. Um, so the, the uh, Blue Jackets are in dead last place. They play 30th place Anaheim tomorrow night at Nationwide. They play 28th place San Jose on Saturday. So if you are in Connor Bedard mode, um, these games are huge. Uh, we'll bring Corey Promen, the athletics Corey Promen in. He had a, a great piece. He does it a couple times a year. Uh, the, the, the top players under the age of 23 uh, in the NHL, but in hockey in general. The Blue Jackets were were pretty well represented on that list. Um, But there's always some curious uh, players who make it, curious players who don't make it. Um, So we'll talk to him about that. You can also ask him about the draft. We've kind of made a a decision here on this podcast to be very forward-looking, especially in a season like this. Um, These losses, so many of them are so similar. Um, they're all unique in their own way, but often they, they follow the same thread. It can be a bit depressing. If you have a question for Corey, uh, post it, send it via text, or step up to the stage queue. We'll bring him in here momentarily. Um, and just a couple more notes here. Cole Cylinder back in the lineup last night after two healthy scratches. Talk about that if you want. I thought he played better last night. He was more engaged. Uh, some Nashville players uh, took exception to him a couple of times, which is a really good sign. Um, news and notes, Boone Jenner has, has returned for a few games now. I think the, the compete level, other than that Rangers game, has been maybe a little more consistent since he's, since he's been back. 
Uh, but there's still some significant players missing from this lineup, of course. Um, so let's let's bring uh, Corey in here. Is he? Yeah, he is here. Um, let's bring him in. Hello, Corey. Hi, Aaron. Can you hear me well? You sound crystal clear. Great. I am yeah. high on a hill at a truck stop in North Central Ohio. So fingers crossed this will go well. This is the glamorous life of travel, Corey, as I know you are familiar. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's uh, let's talk Blue Jackets. Yes. Yeah. Um, so curious, how much grief do you get? Maybe not grief. How many questions do you get on a when you produce a story like the one uh, that was published a couple days ago, the, the top players under the age of 23 in the NHL? I would imagine there's quite a bit of feedback there. Fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I try to be somewhat responsive uh, with our subscribers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a. Uh, it's a lot of feedback. So, you know, a lot of those comments get lost or a lot of them are not worth uh, responding to both on in the article and on social media. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. And you just, I think I understand the frustration that I think uh, a lot of our subscribers have a lot of reasonable questions they want answered about a large amount of players in various organizations and either through my writing or even in the comments section, I can't, I can't answer every question. Yeah, um, yeah. So I understand that can be frustrating to some. So I hope something like this can maybe help us dive deeper on another organization that maybe and, and answer some things I couldn't get to in that article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, just in, in a general sense, what do you think of the Blue Jackets? They've undertaken a youth movement here, as, as everybody knows, over the last couple of years. Sure. Um, how well stocked do you think their system is? And of course, they're going to be adding more pieces with the, a great draft position uh, coming this summer as well. But well, how have they done the last few years? I think they had, am I right to say they had, if I'm remembering they had nine guys in your top 150? Yeah. And, and that's including guys in and outside the NHL. So it depends on how right. you define right. farm system, yeah. including yeah. Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, uh, Igor Chinnikov, and, and other guys who are in the league. Um, you know, that's obviously they have a lot of young talent. I think they might have been, you know, they were, uh, again, they had well above average in terms of both the number of guys on the list and the degree of talent, you know, at the top guys like David Yerichek, guys like Ken Johnson and Cole Sillinger, who I, who I rate rather highly. So yes, there are really good pieces here. Um, You probably, if you're looking at, okay, uh, looking towards the future and and can we turn this into a playoff team again? uh, I probably don't see the true like high, high end in terms of like, like a potential franchise player yet in this organization. I think the way David Yurichek is trending right now is very promising. Uh, I'm hesitant to tag him as that as of now, after just being the sixth overall pick, which I didn't think was an unreasonable place to take him. I'm rated slightly higher, but it was a reasonable place for him to take. I'm skeptical, you know, half a year later saying he's going to be a a franchise elite NHL defenseman. I, I, I don't, think that yet but he's trending in a, in a very very good direction but that's probably the, the biggest thing that's missing is and and maybe they get it from this draft maybe they get adam fantilli maybe they get you know maybe uh connor bedard well you know time will tell in yep. terms of how the lottery right. goes right. uh but i think you know I've, you, and you've seen it with the various iterations of the rebuilds that have happened in columbus 
you know, starting from the Rick Nash era and onwards, without those game breakers, and you don't always have to give him a number one overall, but without those game breakers, it's really tough to do the rebuild successfully. So there, you you are high on your tech, as you just said. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him play tonight. When you did, did you get a new appreciation for him at the World Juniors? Did that hammer anything home or elevate him in your mind, or is what he's doing in the AHL level does that elevate him in your mind? I know you've thought highly of him before. Is he getting better, uh, elevating himself in your mind through his play this year? Yeah, I think it's not just his play in the American League and just play the World Juniors. I, you know, I, I think. Those in combination have shown a very promising first half. I think one year Czech was a draft eligible. You saw a big competitive physical defenseman who had good offensive abilities, a good point shot, you know, good hockey sense, you know, so, so skating. I wouldn't call him a dynamic offensive guy. That was never my read on him coming up in the two years I've watched him. Watching him in the American League and watching him in the World Juniors, I may have undersold his offensive game a little bit. It, it looks like he might have, you know, legit NHL power play ability. Maybe he could be a PP1 guy in the NHL. Maybe not like a high-end P- in that regard. But obviously, on a team with Zach Rowinski, maybe you don't need that. Uh, I think So I think that's what's been promising. Is the offense, I think, has been better than a lot of myself and a lot of scouts I've talked to thought it was going to be, especially right away at a very high level. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. The Blue Jackets have put a lot of uh, first-round picks into defensemen, three of the last two drafts. Uh, one noticeable omission from your list was was a course in Kuhlman's. It's a, it's a strange situation at Wisconsin. We spoke to Scott Wheeler about this recently as well. Where is, where is, is he at? Have you lost faith in him as a top NHL prospect, or was he a borderline guy for you? Strange as in strange or strange as in the team is bad? Well, strange is not only is the team bad, but hard to get a read on what he might be like in a situation that does not allow him to freelance as much as he does in Wisconsin because the team is so poor. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, the team is, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. I just watched him play the NTDP uh, last week and it wasn't even close um, with the NTDP kind of just owning the ice, essentially. Um, I do like Corson as a pro prospect. Um, he's a big mobile defenseman. I think there's some offensive touch there. I think he's a physical player at times. So I think there is some positives there. But uh, when I've watched him over the last two years, there's definitely been some inconsistencies in his decision-making, his defensive play. Uh, I, I, there's a reason why he didn't even get an invite to Canada's under-20 selection camp. They might actually make the yeah. junior team yeah. after being a summer camp invite where I thought he struggled at, at the summer camp. So I, I wouldn't say – I think he's still a good pro prospect. Um, but I really liked him coming into the draft, and I would say he has not. I, when I, I wouldn't say he's been bad in college because I think that's that's not accurate. I think he's been looks like a good pro prospect, but it's like very up and down. I've seen some games where I watch him where he's very impressive, and others where he's just kind of running around out there and uh, making yeah. a lot of poor yeah. decisions, and and it's kind of fighting it a little bit. So I, I think he probably needs more time in college, um, but. You know, whether that's best for his development or not, we'll see given just how bad Wisconsin is. And, you know, maybe there might even be a coaching change there this summer. Who knows? Uh, let's get to a question right off the bat. Here's another guy that I think people were – Blue Jackets fans are rooting for this guy. I, and it, this one seems beyond just their own self-interest of having a great player at the Columbus 
level. They want this kid to make it because he's he's such a good story. Jordan Dumay. Um, sure. He's put up huge numbers at the queue. I think the Blue Jackets were hopeful that he might be part of the Canadian World Junior team. He was one of the last cuts. Uh, your thoughts on, on this draft pick, the Blue Jackets selected, I believe, third round last year. Yeah, I mean, Ozzy, he's killing it in, in the queue right now. Um, you know, he's an looks like an excellent uh, junior player, ton of skill, high-end hockey sense, um, works hard enough. I think, you know, the reason he's a tough case, we dealt with this with, say, Lane Hudson, too, when I was talking to, talking to the Montreal fans about um, why he didn't make the list, in that, you know, so Dume scores 100 points in the queue last year. Yeah. Goes in the third round. Because he's not the biggest guy and his skating is just okay for a smaller guy. Uh, but I think any scout you would have talked to about Dume in the summer going into the draft would tell you he had, he had a ton of skill, a ton of hockey sense, and was probably going to light up the queue next season. Guys who score 100 points in junior tend to score more than 100 points the year after they get drafted. Now, what I think has been different about Dume is he didn't just, he's not just having a very good year. He's having an extraordinary year. It's having, he's a guy who could put up 200 points. Like, you know, it's, it's, or something along those lines. If over, if he had played every game, it's, it's an absolutely astonishing season. Um, so you got to put, you know, so you, even though you were expecting him to score a lot, it's, this is probably more than a lot. So I think you do have to upgrade his stock. And I do think he would go higher if you redid that draft. Uh, he was a third round pick. Last summer, I think if you redid that draft, he's probably a second round pick right now. I, I think there would still be just at least not my, just my opinion and talking to people in the, in the league. I still think there is some reservation about this, about the skating, especially for a smaller guy, about whether that translates to the NHL. I think you're probably not going to overcome those doubts until you see him do it outside of the queue. Uh, the queue does not have a great reputation in the league right now. Uh, a lot of, you know, very mediocre prospects over the last decade have put up really big numbers in that league. Um, so I think, you know, we're looking towards the next U20 camp, whether it's in the summer for Canada or eventually making the world junior team and eventually winning in the American league, which will be obviously a year and a half from now. I think those are the, are the big tests to figure out whether Columbus really, really has something here or whether he's just an extremely good junior player. Yeah. Yeah, you you mentioned the context. The context is so difficult for players coming out of the queue for so many people. Demay strikes me as a guy that there's going to be an adjustment period for him at each level of pro hockey, and can he make it or not? Um, but I, I think everyone is everybody's rooting for him. Here's a question from Jeffrey B. Corey. Um, I love hockey fans. This is lesser known CBJ prospect, but any chance we ever see a Kirill Dolchenkov? Dolzhenkov in North America would love to see it, if only for the spectacle. Yeah, I think Dolzhenkov is a decent prospect. He's a, he's a, you know a huge guy um, with with very good offensive skills. You know, skating's a, a little rough. So I think from Columbus' perspective, uh, this is a guy you're going to be waiting on for a few years. Yeah, he's playing with a top KHL program, so he's, they're going to take their time with him. Uh, to see how he does at the lower levels, and then eventually, as he advances, as he gets older, can he make CSKA and uh, can he can he help the Red Army team, you know, in at the KHL level? I don't think you're going to yeah. get an answer for yeah. him for a couple of years. Um, I, I don't mind him. Like I think he's got a, he's a solid pro prospect because the unique combination of size and skill. Not a lot of guys that big actually make it in the NHL at forward, more on defense because uh, of this because of the skating requirements and and his skating is a is a significant issue. Uh, but he's unique. I, I do have time for him as a pro prospect. 
uh, whether he'll be in Columbus. Uh, I, I probably am not ready to say he's going to be a Blue Jacket. And in terms of, and they can take a long time to decide on whether they're going to sign him. Uh, yeah. Back to, yeah. to Dume for one more second. Uh, I think sure. a good counterexample sure. to like, I think, you know, you can look at some of the guys who've done really well in the queue. Uh, like you compare his production after his year to Elias or Drouin and, and it's well ahead of them. But uh, one guy I've thought of is Vitaly Abramov, who was a third round pick by Ottawa 2016 um, in his draft year, had 93 points uh, in, in, in the draft year. Uh, then, then, you know, put up something like a hundred plus points or whatever the, the next two seasons. I think his last year in the queue, he had over a hundred points in 50 games. Uh, so it, it you, like I said, you want to be careful. You know, it could be the best case. It could not, you know, I don't want to put unrealistic expectations on this guy, but I do think his stock is up. He looked, he's looked very promising when I've watched him. Um, but I just, I would be hesitant to call him one of like, you know, a true premium prospect, uh, six months after being a third round pick. Yeah, and, and yeah. Blue Jackets fans will get the Abramov comparison uh, as a former former prospect in the right. Blue Jackets camp. Guy they were really really high on as part of the I want to say the Duchesne trade. Um, Kevin C says, uh, Corey, how would you rate the ability to draft the Blue Jackets' ability to draft compared to others? Are they hitting at a higher rate than others? The draft is such a wild animal. Um, you have a sense of where the Blue Jackets' management deserves to be. Rated with with some others, yeah, and obviously it's very important to, to this organization, especially. Um, yeah. Uh, it, when did Ville Siren step in? Was it was that right at the beginning of Yarmo's era? It would have been the 13, 2013, 13, 14 around there. Okay, so he's been there for the for the bulk of the Yarmo era then. Yes. yes. Yeah. So was he? Was he? But I don't. I don't. I could be wrong. Was he? Was he running the draft that year? They had Winberg, Reichel, Dano. Uh, that was uh, the first year. I don't think he was in place yet, or if he was, he just got there. That was the. That was the. Uh, Yarmo stepped into the three first round draft picks and and had barely yeah. seen that draft um, when he was hired by the Blue Jackets in February of that year. So right. I'm not for sure. Some I thought he was there. For some reason, I thought. Yeah, the reason I thought Villy stepped in during the the Ruenski Carlson draft. I might be mistaken. That, well, Tyler Wright would have been there. Tyler Wright would have been the uh, director of amateur scouting in twelve thirteen. Right. I was asking like when did Villy step in as the as the director of amateur? Yeah, it would have yeah. been a couple, maybe a couple years after that. Right. So yeah, no. Um, you know, I, I think any team's going to have mixed results. Uh, I, I probably. I think and the draft results tend to show, I think, um, in the actual team results and that I don't, you know, the, Columbus was trending in a decent direction there for a little bit. And then they've taken some steps back. And I think it's because, you know, they, they took those steps forward because there, there were some good picks. You know, Texier before what happened, you know, uh, this season was looking like a really solid second round pick. He was playing. Bemstrom in the fourth round was playing. Uh, Dubois looked, looked like he was the right pick a third overall. You can quibble Pimbers another guy, but he's an excellent player. Wierenski has been an excellent player, uh, but it's not a perfect draft record. And, and, and I think because of that, you know, they did not take those steps forward. Liam Foody was not a good pick at 18. It was, you know, I, I get, I get the swing on the, on the skating, but it has not aged well. It's hard to look at. I mean, I mentioned those three first round picks from earlier. Sonny Milano obviously was, was a miss. Gabriel Carlson was, was, was a, you know, it's 29, so you don't want to be too harsh on 29, but that was a, it was still a high pick, you know, where him and Bittner didn't work out from that draft year. Uh, Andrew Peake, on the other hand, the second round pick did. So, like I said, there's, there's some really good in there, 
and there's some not so good. So I think that I think the record is average. Yeah, yeah. Um, an interesting guy for 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 the Blue Jackets. He's out right now. He was a lineup regular early this season and last season for sure. Igor Chinikov. I, I look at yeah. him, Corey. And I, I there's some things I kind of like, but I'm I'm never really sure where it's going with him. What kind of player he's going to be? I don't think he made the list. I think some people may have been surprised yeah. by that. Um, your yeah, thoughts on him, and do you have a sense of what kind of player this might be? I, I do like him. He was if I, when I was watching some of him towards the uh, at some time this season, I was I was warming up to the idea of putting him on there, and then the injury happened, and and you have the data we have. I think he went on a little bit of a scoreless streak there right before the injury too. Which didn't help, but also you're not looking at small sample when you're trying to make value evaluations. Uh, listen, he's his shot is a distinguishing trait. He is a goal scorer. He can score from range at the NHL level. He has good skill and offensive IQ. Uh, I, I do this player type though does not, in my opinion, tend to be highly valued around the league. Where I view him as not like a great two way player. He's average size, average skater. Uh, goal scorer, and I just feel like unless they really score and like show significant offense on a consistent basis, like those guys tend to be like Ely Tolvanen and Kiefer Bellows, who were both first round picks and were both on waivers this season. Um, yeah. So that, that's kind of where I'm on the fence of Chinnikov. Is he going to be like a legit 25 plus goal scorer on a consistent basis, or is he one of those guys that's in and out of the lineup up and you know when when your team gets better? Uh, that it's hard for co- coaches to trust in, in the hard situations. Um, I'm, I'm on the fence, but I, I said, obviously I really did consider him. I mean, he's in the NHL and that's, and he has been decent in the NHL. So I think those are really important arguments in favor of him. Yeah. Yeah. If nothing yeah. else, Corey, he gave us a great draft moment during a dark time in our world. Sure. And I think it's was worth going back on that. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. like where did they get him? It was like 20 something. 21. I 20. think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, I remember their comments after the draft where they thought they got one of the premium guys in the draft and time will tell, right. Maybe I'm wrong, sure, um, sure. but I don't think he's looked like one of the premium guys in the draft. But if you told me like, Hey, Corey, he's a top 30 guy from that draft. He went 21. I said, yeah, that's reasonable. I mean, I don't have him like right, right there at this moment, but like, could I buy him being a top 30 guy, top 25 guy from the draft, from that draft class? Yeah, no, I think he's absolutely in that discussion. It's great stuff. So let's get into uh, looking ahead to this summer. I know we're still months away. There's still a lot to be decided and yet there isn't. Yep. Um, Blue Jackets settling into 32nd place last night. So at this point, they would have a 25.5% chance of landing the number one overall pick. Still a seven, a three and four chance of not getting it, which is, uh, you don't want to do that math. The, um, the world juniors seem to really separate him from any talk that yep. until he was close, but just yep. on Bedard specifically, you've been doing this for a number of years. Where does this player land as a, as a singular talent? Heading into a draft. I was, I wasn't doing this when Crosby was a draft eligible. Obviously, I watched him, but I, I wasn't doing this job when Crosby was draft eligible or when uh, Malkin or Ovechkin were draft eligibles. Uh, the, the, um, so I've been doing this still a decent amount of time. And you know, so whether it's 
whether it's the Matthews line, a draft, whether it's the McDavid, I draft. I mean, he's, he's up there with, with those guys. Um, I would be hesitant at this current stage to say he is the McDavid level prospect. Uh, I mean, I can see the argument. I'm just not, I, I, that's, it's, that's such a, you know, an extraordinary bar to, to claim that some yeah, guy's going to yeah. be the next McDavid. I just don't think it's fair to put that on a guy unless there's, there's just overwhelming evidence to that point. But I, you know, this, this is a game breaker. This is a guy who's going to change a franchise. Um, I think he'll be a leading scorer in the league uh, over a long period of time. I mean, he is, he's a special player. And, uh, and yes, I think the gap between him and the next best guy is I, I thought, and I talked to people in the league going into that tournament who thought that gap was not that large, but it all, that obviously looks comical. Now in hindsight, the gap is quite large and, and he will most certainly be the first overall pick and be playing an important role on a team next season. It's strange to me, but it, but it, it's going to be the case. Um, a fan base is going to be disappointed to land Adam Fantilli, which sounds crazy. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Like, and, like and, him. This is the number one center. Yes, Corey? Yeah. I mean, I've actually talked to people in the league who think Leo Carlson could be in that mix, too. Like, there's people, there's some yeah. big Leo Carlson fans in the league, but I think Fantilli is, uh, it's just, I, he's two for me right now, but, I, but I, I'm working through that process before I put up my next list. So, so no promises where that, where that will land, but, uh, but no, he's, a, he's a stud. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he would have going into the draft. He would go ahead of Uri Slavkovsky in his draft year. He would go ahead of Owen power, possibly going into his draft year. Um, he, he is an absolutely great pro prospect. He has everything you want in a number one center. He is a big, fast, highly physical player with elite skill he could score goals he can make plays i know his world juniors weren't overly inspiring but there's a lot of great canadian prospects over the years who either don't have great tournaments or don't even make that team and they become elite nhl players so i mean this he is a special prospect and he would be the number one pick in a lot of years yeah that's crazy and the one thing i keep coming back to with bedard that's so crazy is as great as he was at this World Junior, just a sure. special, special performance. He can still play in that tournament. To, I mean, age-wise, he's not going to, but he could two more years. He'd be eligible to play in that, which is yep. just incredible when you consider he's doing that against guys. At that age, a two-year difference is a massive. He's a, he's a very young 05, too. He's like a July yeah. or August yeah. 05. He's a super, yeah. super young pro prospect. He's like nearly a full year younger than Fantilli. Crazy. Great. I'm heading to Moose Jaw here in a week or so uh, to mm-hmm. catch up with Denton Matichuk and Martin Rysavy. And then going on to Regina to see uh, Stan Fossil and uh, Bedard play. Um, real quick on Matichuk, who was the Blue Jackets' first round draft pick last year. Yeah, uh, I think he's been good this year. Obviously, you know, he, he was really good. He's been a really good junior player for several years. And no surprise, he's been a top defenseman uh, again in the, in the WHL. I don't think he like, lit the world on fire in the first half, as maybe some expected. It's not just him. I think Moose Jaw in general slightly underperformed relative to where we thought they would be in the first half. And, and, and thus, he wasn't a world junior camp invite for the December. He was at the summer camp and he was quite good there, I thought. Uh, but uh, still, I think... It, in terms of his NHL uh, prospects, I think it's pretty similar to where he was in the draft. 
a guy you think could maybe be a second pair defenseman, uh, you know, tremendous skater, uh, legit above average NHL skating ability, uh, good offensive touch, makes plays, good skill, uh, works hard. Uh, the size is the one deterrence there. But I just think because he's such a good skater, he'll be able to defend in the NHL at least moderately well because of even not this, uh, despite like he's not the biggest guy. So I think his, his stock is holding steady as a guy who was a top 15 pick. A uh, question from Chad E says, can we talk a bit about Voronkov? Any, any new information on where his contract is at? Um, I can weigh in on this. All signs point to him making the leap to North America next year. Um, I don't think this is something his agent or the player want to be written about extensively in U.S. publications to um, sort of agitate the situation. But that is the plan as of today. Very similar to Marchenko last year, where it was known, it was considered likely that he was going to jump to North America. And the feeling among them was that the less said, the better. So no interviews, no talk about this. They certainly can't tell us what to write or what not to write. Um, but this is kind of where it stands. Uh, but Voronkov is a guy that I think the Blue Jackets have been thinking could be a third or a fourth line center for them in the not too distant future. Uh, you've seen him play. You, I, if I remember correctly, Corey, you've been pretty high on Voronkov. What are your thoughts on him as a, as a future NHL player? I think there's a lot of things that appeal to you as an NHL player, particularly the frame and his physicality, his compete are all excellent. I think it's really going to endear himself to an NHL coach. Uh, the skating has always been a little rough. And I think that's when, I think that's between him and maybe Marchenko. Is Marchenko is uh, you know is a, is a great skating big man, and his guy more physical, and competitive than Marchenko, but not doesn't have those feet. So I think the pace of the NHL will be a big test for him. Uh, but it kind of kind of was for like a Boone Jenner too when, at the beginning. Uh, so you know maybe make the adjustment quickly. Maybe you don't. We'll see how it goes. Maybe he needs American League time right away. Uh, but he's been. I think why you think he could be an NHL right away is he has been successful versus men. Uh, both at the KHL level and with the Russian national team, whether he's gone to the Olympics, the world championships, uh, other national team tournaments, he usually uh, fares quite well among the best Russian players over there uh, when they, when they form those national teams. Uh, so I tend to think he could potentially make the jump next season and play in the NHL. Yeah. yeah it'd be interesting. But Czech has been really, uh, I think for a lot of fans, he's been, I want to say a surprise because they were kind of hoping he'd be an offensive talent like this. He looks pretty quickly acclimated to North America. He doesn't have, I don't think he still has an assist yet, but he, the man can shoot the puck and tends to play, tends to have pretty good offensive instincts. Have you been surprised by anything you've seen from him at the NHL level? No, not really, but, but I, I've, I've always really been pretty high on the player, arguably too high on him at times. But, but, uh, like I just, the toolkit's really unique, right? I mean, you look at a six, three guy who can skate and, and has legit offensive skills. And I mean, that's usually a toolkit we're talking about, like high in the draft. Like that looks like Cutter Gauthier's toolkit when, when, who was a fifth overall pick uh, to Philadelphia. Uh, little differences, I think, there in compete, but, but I mean, that's, like I said, it's a very distinct and, you know, set of abilities that stood out whenever you watch this guy. I, he's never been able to be this consistent scorer at the pro level, but uh, I guess I mean, I haven't watched him much with Columbus, but I, when I watched him Cleveland, I, I thought he stood out like a sore thumb in, at that level. Yeah, and he, yeah. I thought, thought he 
very quickly showed he should have been up. And, um, you know, time will tell how the rest of his NHL career goes. But I would say for his first year in North America, uh, very promising for six months. If you have a question for Corey Promen, by all means, post it. I think we're going to go just a few more minutes here. Uh, we've got a, a few more for you here, Corey. Uh, Bradford H. says, what does player development really entail at the organizational level? What is most important when it comes to development? That's a big question. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a player development expert, so I, I can't speak you know, about all the intricacies about it. But I think every team has does it a little differently. It's, I, you know, Everybody has seven draft picks, so it's hard to squeeze out extra value from that. But I think when people can get creative with the player development stuff in terms of trying to do it their own unique way or through their own, you know, distinct sports science things that they, they come up with, whether it's psychological, medical, uh, specific skills they work on. Uh, there's all kinds of varieties of this, you know, and, and both when they're in and not in the organization. Because obviously when, when you sign them in the American League, you, you can do specific things with them. And when they're with a college team or a European team, uh, your ability to influence the development is very limited. I think that's where hockey is, is very different from all the other major pro sports. Cause then, you know, in the NFL, you draft a guy, he comes in your organization, you MLB, you draft a guy, you sign him, he's in your organization and the NHL, most of your top prospects when they're in prime development years, you really can't do anything with them. So I think that's, I think teams look for a unique uh, ways to try and get around that, whether it's working with those specific amateur teams or trying to do things in the summer with them. Um, I, I don't think that's really like a specific, a great straightforward answer to Bradford's question, uh, but that's the best I got. Yeah, it's multifaceted too, right? I mean, it's a, it's so many different levels and so many different people involved. I, one thing that's changed in the NHL since I started covering it is, is they've really, player development used to be like a former player who kind of like, yep, didn't want to travel, didn't want to be home much. So he just liked traveling and going to games and he'd, he'd chat with, with young players and, and see how they're, how they're going and just sort of give them a pep talk at, at rinks across North America or Europe. And now it's turned into like these, some of these teams have it's, six, eight, 10, 12 yeah. people involved where it's, it's rather intricate and they make sure that a guy doesn't go three or four games in a row without seeing somebody from the organization they talk to the coaches will work with these guys, uh, which can sometimes be dicey because the coach, you know, if you've got a kid in junior who's been drafted by an NHL team, your concern while he's with you in junior is, is him playing well for your club, not what the NHL team thinks they may or may not have in two or three years, but they make it work. Uh, I love the stories Derek Dorsett tells about this player. Dorsett was, was, um, I think he played at Medicine Hat was just loathed in many Western hockey uh, rinks because of the way that he played. And now, now he's walking into uh, rinks where they hate his guts and he's shaking hands with coaches and, and uh, getting to know people uh, within the, the, the club um, front office people and interacting with these guys. They, they don't go more than a few games without putting eyes directly on their, their players. Um, but it, it is, there's so much involved in it now, and it's so different for college kids versus junior kids versus uh, kids in Europe. And it, it's, it's a tough question, but it's a good one from Bradford. Um, one question I had for you, Corey, is the job, the job that you do, like people can easily go back over five, seven years and, and you know, lampoon some of the things you got right and maybe pat you on the back for some of the things you, or you got wrong. 
and pat you on the back for some of the things you got right. Are, do you tend, do you think, to be more conservative or more aggressive in your scouting than, than guys? Because I, I would think from a, a person in your situation has to be careful with the hyperbole and careful with yes. really getting so, – because you can get super excited every year about the draft class. Everything's relative within that draft class. But you also have to look at it in terms of from year to year. Um, don't go too overboard here. Um, and really, because you've, you've got your brand is 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 how uh, how respected and how respectful your your thoughts are on these players. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I try not to think of I try to just give my opinion about the player. So I try not to think about calibration. I think I try not to go whether that's my perception or not. I try not to go overboard on players too much because I think that's just the, the reality of the draft. I think it's less that uh, it's the brand. It's more that the years of doing this have um hardened me to the realities of how tough this is and i think if you've been a blue jackets fan for the last 15 years it's hard you probably are hardened to the realities of the draft that it's not an exact science uh that it's hard to predict the future of teenagers and i you know it's you know we had this conversation with bedard i'm really hesitant to say Connor bedard is going to be a you know a generational talent you know he might be like i see the argument but you know you you want to be really careful before you're you're too definitive on these kinds of high projections. Uh, you know, right, I right. thought I'm sure there was a lot of people who thought Ryan Murray was going to be a star. You know, there's it's sure, it's sure. not easy sometimes to project how these kids are going to be. Uh, so I think that's that's part of it. Another part of it is um, is the fact that my work is public. Uh, I know you probably talked to quite a few scouts in your, in your life, Aaron. Uh, you know, some of them can be hyperbolic. Some of them can be whether it's oh, yes. uh, praising a player or sometimes, you know, rather cruel in criticizing a player. You know, I've heard many scouts refer to players in very derogatory ways. I can't do that. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess I, I, guess I could, but I don't want to, though. It's not very professional. Sure, sure. You know, these kids, their, their parents, their friends, their teammates, they, they read these things. So you want to always have criticisms be presented in a professional manner. And uh, I think when it comes to, to praising players, yeah, I mean, there, there's a calibration, right? Like, uh, you look at a given draft class, maybe not like a Connor Bedard, but like typically outside of him in a draft class, like, you know, you're going to get four to five excellent players. You're going to get 20 to 25, whatever, pretty good players. And you're going to get another like 30 to 40 guys who play about a hundred games. And that's how most draft classes go. So if you look at your list every year and it's not calibrated like that, you better have some hard questions for yourself about it. You know, are you, being too hyperbolic here? Are you, you know, maybe exaggerating the talent that's, that's actually here? Uh, I think, and I think those are questions you really get to learn after you've gone through a couple of draft classes and you've seen the Marco Genoa's of the world who you were really excited about not work out. It's like, you know, make sure you're really excited about them before you actually tell, tell the world they're a good player. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the draft, I believe it was the Oh seven draft here. Um, I heard about the top Russian prospect was a player named Maxim Mayorov. Mm-hmm. And he, there was no agreement. There, yeah, there's no agreement. So it was, he sort of sat there forever. The Blue Jackets traded three, hope I'm getting this right, three fifth round draft picks to move up to a third round and get him. And I thought that was such a stroke of genius because I heard nothing about great things about Mayorov. And he was, you know, okay, barely made it in the NHL, didn't didn't really do much. And, of course, one of the fifth-round picks that they traded to Dallas to make it happen 
uh, Dallas ended up spending on, on uh, was that ben? Jamie Ben? Jamie Ben. Yeah. Now Columbus yeah. would not Hang necessarily have used that fifth round pick on Ben, but still, it's the draft. Uh, I this was around like one of the first years I got started. I remember the 2014 draft. Like, I saw some NTDP games where where Sonny Milano was yeah. absolutely yeah. lights out. Good. Like he right. was unbelievably good in some of those games I saw. Now he had his issues, not a great skater, you know, a little soft at times, but like, and, and he had that line mates with him that maybe made some tough context to evaluate him. He was on that line with Jack Eichel and Alex Tuck all season. Uh, but man, there were some things he did on the ice that just blew you away. And you're right. like, oh right. man, like this guy. And, you know, and I know that was the concern a little bit with Ken Johnson, right? It's like, oh, so it's just, this looks like Sonny Milano's skills at all over again. I think Ken Johnson's way better, but uh, but uh, it's it's not easy. This is not an easy business. And and I that's why I talk about. I don't want to mean to criticize like, hey, like Foodie was a bad pick or something like that. Like you know, there was there was you know special attributes they were targeting, and you're just making calculated gambles. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. It's uh, yes. yeah. it's really not easy to do this. Yeah, it's amazing. I always say to people, you know, nobody's great at drafting. Like, look at every no. team. I mean, so, okay. all the I mean uh, yeah, one of my favorite examples is Tampa. Go look through Tampa's first round draft record. Yeah. It's yeah. brutal. Right. Right. Like, right. it's not just like it's not great. It's bad, bad. <laughs> Outside of Vasilevsky, it's yeah. like you know, yeah. it's it's the, the Foot Brothers and Brett Howden and and you know that. Drouet at three, Slater Cuckoo at 10, Brett Connolly at six. Uh, like, you know, those are, you know, just really bad draft picks in hindsight. But obviously that team has made some extraordinary draft picks. It's why they were, you know, back-to-back champions and have an amazing hockey team right now. And to your point, not every, nobody is a, is a, is a genius. Nobody is like the king at drafting. Yeah. Yes. It's it's a, it's not even a science. It's not even an exact science. It's not a science. It's crazy. But that's what that's part of the reason it's so damn interesting. Fun. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's great. Hey, Corey, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yep. Yep. Always sure thing. Look forward to seeing you out there in the trail maybe sometime here uh, before we get to the draft in Nashville this summer. Yep, sure thing. I hope your listeners enjoyed this and and my various ramblings. Uh, Take care, Aaron. Good stuff. Thanks, man. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Truly appreciate it. We'll be back with you next week. Um, I will be next week out in Saskatchewan. So um, pray for nice weather for your month. And uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much. Take care.